You're listening to a Behind Closed Doors podcast on 3CR 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash Behind Closed Doors. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes and Spotify. This show is broadcast on the land belonging to the people of Kulin Nation. Behind Closed Doors 3CR pays its respect to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledges that sovereignty has never been ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You have tuned in into 3CR's program Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind closed doors aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful this program is not suitable for little years as there may also be explicit language use. Please email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. I'm your host, Kitty Galore, and today I've got sex worker Cassie Joy to discuss with me sex work and our challenges with personal, intimate relationships. Now, before we begin, I'd like to provide an extra word of caution in addition to our disclaimer. In tonight's episode, we quote certain members of the public who have most definitely used colourful and explicit language. So I'm going to apologise in advance as tonight's beeping budget was exceeded, but also non-existent. Without further ado, let's get on with tonight's show. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thanks, Kitty. Thanks for having me. Cassie, we've got such an exciting and juicy topic to discuss today, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. As you know, being a sex worker carries so much stigma. Yeah, Yet there are many sex workers who may also be secretly, you know, creative writers, students, lawyers, business professionals. They may be accountants, nurses, chefs, everyday moms and dads. (laughs) Okay, okay, I think I get you. (laughs) Sex workers can come from any background, basically. Yes, and most of us live our sex working lives in secret. You know, I do too, and I'm working on coming out for a big reveal, but it's really difficult, especially knowing that the society we live in generally and judges people first before getting to know them. Yes, and I'm sure many of us have wanted to come out at some point in time in our lives. Yeah, it's important to be true to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, if you remember last time I was with you during the Mother's Day episode, many of us sex workers choose to live double lives to reduce the risk of public judgment and for fear that we could lose the ones we love. Mm, Yeah, that's absolutely true. Mm, And this affects our friendships and personal relationships drastically. You know, there was a point in my life when I was dating and I shared my sex working life with the person I was seeing um, after three days and the look on his face just dropped and he slapped his face of his hand. He was like, no, por qué? But suffice to say, we ended up dating and then I realized he wasn't the guy for me anyway. But yeah, it really does change how people see us. That's true. So let's narrow down and focus on how sex work affects our personal, intimate relationships when it comes to dating, long-term relationships, and even marriage. Well, I tell you what, Kitty, it's extremely hard. You know, relationships require a lot of time, effort, patience. It requires understanding, trust, respect, and communication. 
you know, it's the most important qualities in a relationship, mm. even if you are not a sex worker. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you are a sex worker, you know, relationship problems are magnified because sex work isn't yet an acceptable profession. So you have many questions in your relationship, like, do you tell the person you're with that you are a sex worker? How do you explain what you do when you meet their family? Do you have to live your life in secrecy? How can we become true to ourselves? How do we become true to our loved ones? Mm. Will we be judged by them? You know, how do we make sure we aren't going to be taken advantage of for our body, our money, and our skills in creating intimacy? I find that we have a problem akin to the rich. How do they know someone isn't just wanting them for their money is very much like a skilled sex worker saying, how do we know they don't just want us for our body? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think it's worse if you have both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge when you do have both. And this puts strain on our relationships because it means we have to be on guard or else we might end up giving our services away for free, lose income, and that's just not a good business plan. You know, contrary to what people think, Mm. we are in sex work to make ends meet and to run a business. Mm. Cassie, I've got a question for you. When we find a keeper, do you reckon that they tend to have jealousy issues because I find that in my experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that in this industry, we most certainly have to educate ourselves, not only working in the industry or while we're working in the industry, but before we get ourselves into any kind of relationship, because I understand that there is jealousy. You know, it can come from both our partners and it can come from clients as well. And that is why we need to make it clear that it is business. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> I have been absolutely guilty uh, for being a jealous sex worker myself. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's part of being human, That's right? That's correct. We're yeah. human. So it takes a lot of, you know, um, two-way communication, takes two to tango. Yeah. And look, to a certain degree, like we understand But whoever chooses to genuinely date a sex worker and wants an ongoing relationship needs to realize that we are running a legitimate business Mm. and, um, you know, it is work for us. Mm -hmm. So it also means it takes a hell of a lot of cognitive dissonance to date a sex worker. And accepting does not mean they have to like it. Can you say it one more time for the record? (laughs) Of course. Accepting your lover's choice for their profession, and in our case, sex work, shows your respect, but it does not mean you have to like it. Yeah, and that's fine as well. Um, You know, so hooray, let's celebrate all the people out there who Mm -hmm. are in relationships with sex workers and who might struggle with jealousy. You know, it's a two-way thing. And uh, sometimes we have to both overcome and help each other overcome those insecurities. Absolutely. Let's play a song that reflects this exactly. And it's a song by Nick Jonas and it's called Jealous.
each other in our difference, limiting the economic disparities between peoples of the world, and not saying that some people deserve dignity and respect and others don't. They're the pathways to safety and security, and we need to have the courage to say we have to continue to have those complex dialogues about how we move forward so that the values of diversity and inclusivity are in everybody's hearts and maybe even the hearts of politicians. That was Nick Jonas, Jealous. You're listening to the only sex worker radio show on 3CR, Behind Closed Doors. I'm your host, Kitty Galore, and I've been interviewing Cassie Joy about sex work and our challenges with intimate relationships. Seriously, if Kitty and I married all the men out there who have proposed to us in a booking, we would be married to over 100 men combined. Can you imagine that? (laughs) 200, possibly. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Can you imagine? So, you know, it's what happens when people become passionate and impulsive. And that's why as sex workers, it is really important to maintain professional boundaries. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, many sex workers do have professional boundaries and it's our intent to run a legitimate business, as I've been saying over and over again. Uh, We want to be servicing the needs of our clients during the allotted booking time. And there's this huge misnomer uh, that seems to come from the general public thinking that sex workers want to break up families as if, you know, a child daycare worker wants to take your children home with them. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) So, you know, I guess this is why it's really important to discuss things like this on air. In the future, Behind Closed Doors, hope to be able to take calls and hear what our listeners have to say. And I can't wait. Someone might even call to say, hey, but Cassie, isn't jealousy better than being with someone who lives off you and wants you to actually go to work? Uh, They're both as bad as each other. Right? Like the way the laws are written right now, it's actually a criminal offence to live off the earnings of sex workers. And here in Victoria, we have to go by Section 10 of the Sex Worker Act. Uh, I'm going to read it out word for word, so bear with me. Part 1 of Section 10 says, A person must not knowingly live wholly or in part on or derive a material benefit from the earnings of sex work. So the penalty is a level six imprisonment, which is up to five years maximum in jail. Uh, Part two says an offence against subsection one is an indictable offence. So putting it in everyday terms, if you are often in the company of someone who is 18 years or older and is knowingly dependent on your work as a sex worker, then they are at risk of violating section 10 of this act. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, perhaps we should ask how many lovers, saviors, rescuers of sex workers have been penalized? You know, none that I know of. In 1985, Victoria conducted a wide ranging inquiry into sex work. And there was a judge by the name of Marcia Neves who recommended abolishing this section in particular. 
One of the reasons included the need to limit criminal penalties to those activities which directly harm sex workers. It looks like our laws and politicians in Victoria are falling behind, huh? Yeah, and it's sad. That's why sex worker organisations need to push harder for decriminalisation, which will mean we can finally do away with laws criminalising sex work. And we need to rely on business, contract and other more general laws to regulate the operation of the sex industry. Look, here's a call for all of you listening. If you want to support sex workers through protests, then organisations out there which are doing good work like Vixen and Scarlet Alliance can help. If you are more like me and prefer to work behind the scenes, lobbying for politicians and others to help change sex work laws, then good organisations like Sex Work Law Reform Victoria might be worth contacting. You know, Cassie, I used to be an extremely apolitical person. Uh, in fact, some part of me still remains apolitical. However, I had a sex worker pull me aside and she made me realise that if I cared greatly for sex workers, then I too should also take great interest in the laws that govern the way that we work because it's these laws that perpetuate prejudice. Yeah, yeah. You know, there is a saying that Ignorance perpetuates prejudice. I've spoken to some people who say sex work is stupid, illegitimate, offensive. And then I asked them, like, how much of sex work have you actually seen? And what is it that you don't actually like about it? Yeah. And if their perception is short-lived and perhaps their opinion is based on ignorance, then you're right. Like, ignorance is a breeding ground for prejudice. Mm. It is a harsh reality, but it has to be said. You know, any time a person forms an opinion that is not based on facts then I'm sorry, but they are the fool. Yeah, and it's it's sad. Like, ignorance isn't necessarily a bad thing. We all have it to begin with. Like, I was yeah. super ignorant when it came to sex work politics and sex work laws because yeah. I just didn't care about that. You know, for me, it was about how to run a great business, provide a great service. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of ignorance to begin with. And now after having been introduced to sex work politics by Vixen and learning so much from sex work law reform, Victoria, um, I've learned so much and I realize that ignorance is only a bad thing when you realize it but do nothing about it. And that's when ignorance becomes harmful. There's another good quote that comes to mind by Ellie Wiesel, and it says, always take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor and never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Mm, talk about a wake-up call with that quote. Yeah, I know. I mean, so many people... Uh, such as myself, we want to sit on the fence because we want to be nice and we want to be good and we want to be friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that does more harm than good. It's true. It's true. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people would rather say nothing than to say anything at all. And maybe they're just trying to avoid any kind of confrontation or any kind of trouble. But there are many examples as to why staying quiet can do more harm than good. Well, maybe you can share with us an example. Uh... Yeah, I can do that. You know, one example is actually a personal example of mine that uh, I saw while shopping at JB Hi-Fi. So I was waiting in line. Um, there was quite a few people around and in front of me was a mother um, and her daughter who was probably, she was quite young, um, very cute by the way. And uh, she was touching things, you know, touching DVDs and her mother was telling her not to touch these DVDs and she was getting very frustrated with her daughter. Um, and then her daughter dropped one of the DVDs on the ground and the mother snapped, grabbed her daughter uh, very violently, I would say, um, by the arm and, and 
calling her names like you fucking dumb little shit. Whoa, what? And really? Yes, yes. That's and, harsh. And pulling her along, and and I'm looking at everyone else around me, and everyone's uncomfortable. They they are uncomfortable, and and everyone is is clearly watching, um, but nobody said anything at all, mm. and that really upset me, you know. And and I finally had to speak up and say, you know. You, you can't speak to your daughter that way. She's only two years old. She doesn't even understand what she's doing. Mm. Mind you, this woman is violent and she can probably knock me over and, <laughs> you know, I can I can probably get hurt from this lady. But, um, no, I, you know, and I did cop some abuse afterwards from her as yeah. well. Um, but, you know, just to, just to watch people sit there and... Wait, yeah. stop you first because... I remember you said, like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. does, oh, does anybody, know. like, not see what I'm yes, seeing? Yeah, and it was like, the same at High Point Shopping Centre as well. I was yeah. like, oh, why is everybody filming and where's the security What guards? happened then? Oh, some some lady, she, you know the ones that own the stalls? Yeah. With the, with the toys and things. And in the centre of the road. In the centre yeah, of the walkway. Yeah. Um, and, and she has, yeah, they have bum bags for money usually. So she's like left her bum bag on the counter. Or she must have left it on the table when this guy's grabbed it and they shoved it in his bag, tried to steal it. So she's chased him out of the shopping center. Yeah. She's trying to tackle this bloke. She's yelling out to people to help her. She's crying. She's like wrestling his bag with him. Oh, so she actually caught up she's, to him. Yeah, she's trying to wrestle him outside. And you know what everyone's doing? Filming. Oh, good God. And I didn't have my phone on me at the time because I just quickly jumped in, you know, before work. And I'm looking around everyone going... Where's the security guards? Who's calling the cops? Wait, wait, wait. So guards? you said yeah. you didn't have your phone on you? Didn't have my phone on me, that's all I know. So were you trying to record it as well? No, no. <laughs> no I just couldn't call the cops or anything. But <laughs> I, I did want to run to the shops, but then someone came out and said security's been called. But, yeah. And then yeah. some other bloke jumped in finally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you just look around and there's, like, how many people and not one person said anything. Or trying to help that lady, it's right? Disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting, really. Were you there that one time when I was doing a brothel shift? This was going many, many years back, and we had a drunk guy who was mm. just really violent, got into an argument with the management, and they started choking each other at the front, at the entryway yeah. of oh, the brothel. <laughs> and... Um, Everyone was just standing around and I jumped on the guy's back oh. and pulled his hair because I just wanted him to, you know, get off the mm -hmm. manager. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. like he, he was really aggressive and he started the fight. Mm -hmm. And then I got told like, Kitty, you, you need to be careful. Like, what if you get hurt? Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, the point is that something's happening and we need to all stand up. You know, we That's need right. to be like a meerkat colony That's right. or like a pack of linuses working together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. And I just think it's sad that someone like me, you know, a short, a short woman is trying to stick up for one person and nobody else does nothing. Dude, if you're short, <laughs> I'm shorter than a midget. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at all these men, you know, muscles, like what's going on? Like, you know, bigger men not seeing at this poor child and, and thinking, you know, we need to say something. Yeah. You know. And, so what and did you say to the lady? Just told her, you know, your daughter is is clearly very little. She's not a dumb fucking idiot or mm. whatever you called her. She's she's a child. How could you speak to your daughter that way? And if you're talking to her like this in the middle of a shopping center or the middle of a shop, then how do you talk to her at home? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Good and, point. And uh, you know, she called me names. I don't know. 
bitch, cunt, whatever it was that she called me. There's going to be so much there's beeping of, in this episode. There's a lot of beeping <laughs> because she was very angry. But we're reaching our beeping budget. Yeah. We're exceeding it now. And she's probably done it before. She obviously got angry at me. If more people said something, if, if she's done it this once, she's probably done it before. Mm. If more people actually said something, she might realize how she's treating her daughter. She might say, oh, you know what? Um, that was really bad of me. And then many people have, have made me realize that I'm going yeah. to work on being a better mom and I won't be violent with my child. Breathe in and out. You're listening to 3CR. Cassie, that reminds me of when I was at a shopping center and there was this lady with her kid in her, her trolley. Her kid was really young, probably like a toddler's age. Yeah. And she was pregnant as well. And as I was walking out from a shop, I saw this guy just berating her in public, telling her to go home to her home country, trying to figure out where she's from. And she's so polite. She even tells him where she's from. And, um, you know, something in me just thought, well, should I just go to my car or, you know, should I say something? And I just stopped there and I looked, I paused and I'm like, I need to say something. Mm -hmm. And I said, excuse me, no one deserves to be spoken to like that. And, you know, we live in a society, if she's in your way, you can say, excuse me. And then he's, he gets really mad. And he says, I don't have to say excuse me. Why should I have to say excuse me? She should just go home to her home country. And mind you, this walkway was huge. Mm. Like, I don't know how much further into the wall he wanted her to pull in. And clearly he was having a bad day and just taking it out on her. But, you know, you got to draw the line and you got to speak up for people when you see something unjust happening. Yeah. And I think... You know, to have somebody speak up would make them think twice. I sure hope so. And you know what's even um, going to shock you even further is that when I turned around to go to my car, I saw a security guard behind me and he didn't even step in. I was like, buddy, do your job. I'm five foot flat. And this guy was like six, five, six, two. And, um, you know, the only, like the security guard was, was glad and he was grateful for me and he thanked me. And then he asked me, where am I from? Like, that's not important. Mm. It's not important where am I from? What's important is that we stand up together when we see something that's not right happening. Exactly. That reminds me of a time when uh, a client of mine actually told me about his mom's experience um, on the way to hospital uh, during her cancer treatment. Mm. Um, so she had developed cancer. She um, was going through the chemotherapy at this point and she'd already lost her hair um and she didn't feel comfortable with with traveling out in public uh bald at this point so she she decided to wear a scarf and she was sitting on the tram uh and a man who had entered the tram had seen her now this woman's grown up in australia she is uh from english background but uh you know she didn't look that way to this man as she was wearing a scarf on her head and uh, he started attacking her and calling her a Muslim to go home and uh, go back to where she belongs. Ouch, I've got goosebumps. Calling her names, um, yelling at her the whole ride to the hospital, um, and she was breaking down in tears. Oh, my God, hang on a sec. So in a tram full mm-hmm. of people, this guy yeah. got away with berating her in that fashion while being racist. Mm-hmm. That is correct, and she said that she had looked around 
people were there people didn't say anything until she got off the tram and the man was still on the tram and and she was away from him um and then they asked her if she was okay <sighs> and if she was feeling okay but but how can you feel okay you're on a tram in public you're supposed to feel safe we're supposed to be a community and this woman who's going through an extremely difficult time in her life cancer going through the treatments, treatments. um and feeling insecure because She's she has to hair. hide away mm. yeah and you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a Muslim or whether you're not. It, it doesn't matter. You should, should never, ever just go up to someone and, and start attacking them. But, but the fact that she was going through this tough time already and then to have no one speak up for her and then ask her later if she was okay. Um, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. Is. You know, from this, what I'm really learning is that silence enables oppressors. Mm. And it happens constantly you know, we want to be nice, mm. but being nice enables violent, abusive people. And that's just not on. That's right. Or being being afraid to stand up mm. as well as being nice and, and not wanting to say anything. Being afraid to stand up is really where you're encouraging people who judge yeah. other people. And this man who attacked my poor client's mum will probably be doing it again. Mm. And the next... Muslim lady who may have a child or who may be pregnant could be attacked by him, you know, because no one will speak up because they never did in the beginning. Yeah. They never did before. Mm. Um, you know, and this is what I'm working on myself because I know with my Asian background, we like to sweep things under the carpet. We like to close one eye and pretend that everything's okay. But then now after listening to this quote, like I have to learn to take sides. I have to learn to stand up and fight for what I know is right and what I know is just. And this is why I'm really passionate about um, fighting for decrim for sex workers. Mm. This is why I'm happy to be here today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with me. You know, your insights and your experiences sheds such a good light. There are so many sex workers out there who are good people, mm -hmm. who are ethical and who are great mums. I hope that people see this, like the sex working side of our lives is just something we have to hide because of the stigma. And when we see things that happen in public, that's not right. We need to stand up. I really think that we should fight for what we do mm. because, you know, we're not bad people, you know, in every industry, in every job, you know, there's good and there's bad. You yeah. Know, it doesn't matter whether you're a sex worker or whether you're a nurse. Yeah. And you know I, what? I've... I know a nurse who told me how many nurses used to bully her and made her job so hard and it would be oh. hard enough as it is. So it doesn't matter whether you're a nurse or not. You know, I think we need to start fostering a community that is going to look out for each other. Uh, there's a saying by Simon Sinek, which is, if you look out for the person to your left and to the right, then everyone will be looked out for. That's but right. first, we need to start as a community of people who are willing to look out for each other, to stand up and speak up for each other. And if we can do this, especially for this industry, it will make our lives so much easier, our relationships so much easier. Well, let me throw you a curveball here. Why should some random person who's just so happened to tune into this radio station at this moment in time, why should they care about sex workers? Like, so what if it's good for us? Like, how does it affect them? 
Because it could be their best friend. It <gasps> Bingo! Be, thank you. <laughs> it could be your best friend. It could be your mom. It could be your dad. It could be your sister. Yeah. Because yeah, we're all in freaking hiding. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we should care about sex work. Thank you so much. I love you, Cassie. I love having you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. This is a replay from an episode of Behind Closed Doors. We sincerely hope you enjoy this episode as much as we have enjoyed producing it.